0: podcast, the 18th in our 22-23 podcast season, is simply the audio version of our January 11th college panel presentation, which was broadcast on YouTube. If you want to see our smiling faces, the link to that broadcast will be in the show notes. There's tons of great information. Our guests for the evening were Sean McElwain from Castleton, Diane Soboski from Champlain College, Sam Prouty from Middlebury College, Kristen Larrabee from St. Lawrence, Nick Drake from St. Michael's, and Moses Murphy from the University of Vermont. As I mentioned, they all provided us with a very entertaining hour and tons of great information, and we thank them all for their time. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back with more episodes in the coming weeks. Until then, Thanks again. Bye-bye. Welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Russ Aceto. I am the Fairbanks House Counselor. We are starting our 13th, I think, Sarah's here with me, our 13th annual college panel night, and I will. we will let our, our esteemed colleagues and guests introduce themselves in a second, but... Um, we, we have uh, some questions that we're going to kind of pull from everybody watching on YouTube. There's a, the YouTube chat function and that's where we're going to be pulling audience questions from, um, towards the end of the presentation. So if you have questions as we go along, Sarah will be monitoring the chat and, uh, we'll come in towards the end and and ask the the questions from the chat to our colleagues. one little self-promotiony thing is myself and Susie moakley, we we host a CBU school counselor podcast, and we have um, about an episode a week where we tackle issues that we see regularly in the direction center, things that we think are important to, for uh, families uh, to to have. Information on, and we publish something once a week. It's available on um, your your standard podcasty platforms, Apple and Spotify. It's called the CVU School Counselor Podcast. This week, I think is we timed it so that it was connected directly with with our evening here. We speak with uh, CVU senior who talks about their college search and application process. So. I'm gonna ask Sarah to introduce herself and give a few other announcements and then on with the show.
1: Hi everyone, good evening. Thanks for coming. Uh, We're excited as Russ mentioned to have our 13th year doing this. Um, So I'm gonna just give a few announcements. I'll go over them briefly. Um, Of course, if you do have more questions or your students have questions, You can either put your questions in the chat box, like we mentioned, um, or have your student come see us. We're happy to give more details. Um, So to start, speaking of that scheduling. So starting at the beginning of February, 11th graders are going to be coming in and creating or requesting what they'd like to take for their senior year. Um, So it's really important um, to be intentional um, when you kind of think about what courses you wish to take. Um, you'll have a chance in advisory to be having these discussions, but to be really thinking, what do I want to take my final um, year while I'm in high school? Um, And speaking of that also, um, I wanted to bring up the idea of dual enrollment. Um, As many of you know, uh, high school students across Vermont are all entitled to take two free college courses before they graduate from high school, um, and they can be at any of the Vermont colleges. Um, So this is a great opportunity for students to have a chance to take a college class experience that Um, also it's it's great because this college course ends up um, showing up on your high school transcript as well and you also get a college transcript um, to send along to colleges might you choose to apply to if that's what you're if that's what you wish to do, um, but it is important when you're mapping out your courses for next year to be thinking, hmm, I, I wonder if I want to take a dual enrollment course. It could be over the summer as well, um, but thinking about that balance between the CVU courses that we offer and also the couple of the the, the dual enrollment classes if you choose to take those. Uh, Junior meetings. So if your counselor hasn't already reached out, they will be in the near future reaching out to schedule junior meetings. And this is the time where students come in and we start to talk about future planning, whatever your goals might be. Um, and to talk um, to start the process of talking about or ta- start talking about the college application process if that's the route you're choosing. In the near future, like I said, that will be happening. Um, your student is also welcome to reach out to us directly and we can um, uh, give you a time to, to set up that meeting, but we will be getting those going soon. Um, and we'll be continuing to meet with you um, as we continue on to your senior year. Um, last thing I wanted to bring up is that many 11th graders. most 11th graders are either in writing composition or practical writing Um, and in that class you are spending time writing an essay and writing actually a college essay Um, so if you already took it last semester you have produced an essay Um, and if you're in it this semester you will be working um, this coming semester you'll be will be working on that college essay and we really encourage you to take this seriously and to create something that you can actually use to submit as part of your college application. Um, you'll get lots of feedback in class. Um, and then we also um, encourage you to send that to us, send this to counselors as well, um, as you're getting closer to completing your applications um, so that we can have a peek too. But it's a great opportunity to kind of get that going and have, and have already have that completed um, before, you, uh, before you complete your application anything All right. else. you ready? I think we're ready. All right. Yeah. Okay.
0: You go watch so YouTube. I'm going
1: to go to the YouTube section. <laughs> Don't
0: text me. That's my phone. Oh,
1: that's my phone. Text okay. me
0: if I need to do anything different like Sometimes. smile and Um okay. I'm not going to do these in in order of who I want to respond, but I'm I'm curious as we start talking about the the college application process with our students, I'm I'm hoping we can put this into question, like how many applications do you all read over the course of a school year? I've talked with some of you previously, so I have some numbers from the early action period, but I'm curious, how many applications are are you all looking at? And every one of you is muted, so you're gonna have to unmute before you speak. And I'm not allowed to touch the controls, so don't all jump at once.
2: Diane, I'm looking at you. Well, Diane wasn't the quickest, so there there you have it. Um, Hi, everybody. My name is Sam Prouty. I'm Director of Admissions at Middlebury College. At Middlebury, uh, last year and this year, we received just over 13,000 applications, uh, and our staff typically will read, um, if you include the way we do things with a first read and sort of a second read, each member of the staff will probably read at least Twelve to fifteen hundred applications. So we do it pretty much all day, every day, from November through March.
0: Diane, do you want to go? Then we'll kind of sure go through so to give everybody a chance to introduce themselves.
3: Sure thing. Uh, my name is Diane. I'm with Champlain College, and um, our team last year we received sixty-six uh, hundred applications. We're on track this year to be in that that six thousand ish range. Um, there are seven counselors plus myself, and so. When we do the math, it ends up being probably seven to 800 applications per counselor. Again, some of our seasoned readers may read a little bit more. Um, I tend to do a lot of second reads, so I do a lot more reads, but I'm reviewing what other counselors are doing. And many of us will have a similar system where someone's doing a very comprehensive read and someone's reviewing the work that that person did. But all in all, I'd say, um, yeah, we're we're hovering in that with first and second reads, probably seven to 800 maybe range per counselor.
4: Moses you're next on my screen yeah ha- happy to jump in and um, happy that everybody is taking time out of their evening to, to be with us tonight my name is Moses Murphy director of undergraduate admissions at, at UVM um, UVM received last year uh, a little over 30,000 applications and of course our office is scaled a little differently as, as a result so our our top readers are still reading roughly the you know the same in that twelve to sixteen hundred uh, applications, um, and then of course there's multiple steps that these applications go through uh, in various committees that they that they uh, cycle through. So, um, you know, it, 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 for those top readers, though, that's it, that's sort of that fifteen hundred average, I would
5: say, uh, for application reading. Nick, you're next on my screen. All right. Um,
6: I'm Nick Drake, I am work at St. Mike's, um, St. Michael's College up in Colchester. Um, it's my first year here though, so I can't tell you accurately how many applications you read a year. So I'm gonna dodge that question. <laughs> I can tell you, I don't read a ton because I mostly handle graduate admission, but I do have the, the Chittenden, Madison County areas.
0: Um, so that's why I'm here tonight. Excellent. Sean, I see you next.
5: And you're unmuted. Yeah. I unmuted just after Sam did, uh, but he beat me to it. Uh, hi, everyone, I'm Sean. Um, I'm the Assistant Director of Admissions over at Vermont State University, um, formerly worked at the Vermont Tech Campus in Williston. Um, we can't give a, an accurate number of apps because this will be our first recruited class to Vermont State University um, and a new methodology of reviewing applications. Um, so we'll be reviewing files by schools of study um, and teams. So. It'll be a little bit different, but in general, previously I work with our nursing students, so uh, that's our most popular group of applicants. So we typically read a couple hundred applications as first readers and then, um, again, second read on on files as needed.
7: Hi everybody, I'm Kirsten Larrabee. I'm an assistant director of admissions at St. Lawrence University. Last year we received somewhere between 53 and 5,500 applications um, and I typically read a little over 500 of those um, in the, the areas that I read for.
0: All right so those of you who have been here before some of these questions are recycled because we they're questions we get from families and some of them We've changed them up this year because we've had some some conversations that I think warrant bringing it up in this in this larger group. But as our as we encourage students to start looking for schools and doing some of those college searches, one of the things we're always encouraging them to do is to get on college campuses, even if it's to figure out what you don't want. Get on, get on to some of those campuses. So I'm curious. Now that we're moving out of COVID, quote unquote, um, Howard, are you all back to scheduling college campus visits the way you did pre-COVID? Are there still restrictions? So if you could just kind of, a couple of you give us some some information on, on the campus visits, what do they look like? How do students schedule? Kirsten, you're nodding and right front and center on my screen, so you're up. Yeah,
7: that's great. Um, Yeah, um, St. Lawrence, we are back to fully in-person tours. You can actually also interview while you're on campus as well, so you could do a tour and an interview in person. Um, And students can schedule those online. They could give us a call if they really wanted to, but the full schedule is online. There aren't really any restrictions besides the number of students. We can fit into a specific time slot. Um, and we've been fully open for, I would say at least a year now. Um, so come on over and come visit.
5: <laughs> Anybody else want to tackle that one? I, you know, I would I would jump in uh,
4: selfishly because you know, and I I grew up in Vermont myself, and I remember the college search process. And and I, you know, I I do want to put it in a plug for all of my Vermont. Uh, uh, Colleagues, that you know, so often I think Vermonters focus their visit uh, endeavors to those schools outside the state that they're interested in. Um, you know, I can be at an open house with a thousand people and I'll ask where people are from and raise their hand and I'll ask for Vermont and out of a thousand people, I'll see 15, 20 hands. And I think that so many students, you know, have been to the gut or have been, you know, on St. Mike's campus. Uh, or driven through Middlebury and think, well, I I know those schools, I'm going to go and uh, look at other schools. And I think that this is a very important decision that all of you are trying to make. And in order to make that decision, um, I think it's critical that, uh, you know, that you are investing the amount of time and energy into all those schools that are on your list. And that includes those schools inside the state that maybe you think you know. Uh, If you take a tour at Middlebury or at St. Mike's uh, or any of the Vermont uh, college uh, system schools, um, you know, I promise you, you'll see a facility you wouldn't otherwise see. You'll learn a piece of information you wouldn't otherwise know. Um, And moreover, I think it's important to demonstrate that interest, to to show those schools that you have them on your list, that you are looking at them. And that's not to say that an unofficial visit where you're you know hooking up with a buddy or is it... uh, maybe is living in the dorms in their first or second year um, isn't also beneficial, um, but doing something official through our office uh, is, is uh, important and I promise you'll find it valuable. And even if you know a school like UVM isn't on your list, going to a school like UVM, and I think Russ alluded to that, a school that is a mid-sized school that has 10,000 students um, will give you a feel for what that's like. Um, and so as you're thinking about that school, that's maybe further flung, that is roughly our size, um, you have a great opportunity in Vermont in that you have many different types of schools, different sizes, different areas of expertise. um, And it gives you a great opportunity to sort of sample what those types of schools are like, even if you're not interested in the specific individual school. So um, it's critical that you uh, visit schools, that you get that gut reaction, that you get that sense of fit. Um, and, and that extends to those schools that are within our borders. Uh, so that would be my
0: plug, if you will, if you'll entertain me. I, I, I totally agree, Moses. And one of the things I talk to my students about is it, within four hours, you can see such a wide variety of public, private, larger, midsize, small, really small. Um, so you don't have to travel super far distances to get a sense of what various size schools, rural schools, quote-unquote city schools might look like. Um, You can do that in Vermont and make some decisions about what's working and what's not working and go from there. Um, Does anybody else want to jump
5: in or should I move on? Yeah, I I just wanted to piggyback on something Moses said too. Um, With the new Vermont State University having five campuses, um, each of our five campuses are unique and different um, Williston is very small, much more of a commuter population school, whereas Castleton and Randolph campuses are much larger, and then you've got the Johnson and Linda campuses that are in between. Um, some of the programs can be done on any of those campuses. And so even visiting one school but having five different types of feel for the student, you know we would encourage them to visit multiple campuses just to see that too, uh, because the program they might like, might feel a lot different on a different campus than the other one as well.
6: And I would just echo everything that everybody's been saying here. I think visiting campuses is really important. If you're motivated, you can get a great education anywhere. But it really is about where you feel at home and where you fit well. Um, and a great way to figure that out is by visiting the campus and just kind of getting the sense for that. And you you never know what you're going to find out. I think, I think Moses was right on with that. Um, At St. Mike's, we have a campus visit grant. So if we have any record of you visiting campus in an official capacity for an info session, for an open house, anything like that, you're getting $1,500 a year towards your tuition. So that adds up. Um, And there's little things that a lot of people don't know until they show up, and and it's just a nice bonus. And we just wanna get you on campus and, and seeing things, meeting the students, meeting the professors.
0: All right, next question. This is one that I wrestle with all the time with my students. And I um, I wrestle with it from a, from the perspective of more is not better. I wrestle with it from the perspective of trying to protect my teachers who are writing. Um, but who do you like to see letters of rec from and how many should students get? Um, and do you like or dislike like it when applicants submit more than the uh, requested number. Nick, you're right on my screen. I'm I'm going to go with you, bud.
6: <laughs> sure. Um, so, as I said, my my reading load is a lot smaller than a lot of um, my colleagues here. So I will let them answer in terms of kind of just how that adds to the to the level of reading that you have to do. But in in terms of when I'm reading an application, I if if the letters all seem to kind of speak to the student and especially different aspects of the student, um, then I'm, I'm happy to read as many as they provide. Um, I'd like to see at least two, ideally, um, because that gives me a, 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 a more well-rounded picture of the student. Um, but honestly, it doesn't matter so much if if it's uh, if it's two teachers and a coach or if it's a boss. Um, We're really, whatever the student thinks is going to give us the best portrayal of who they are is what I wanna see. Um, Because really what I'm trying to get from the application, St. Mike's doesn't do formal interviews um, for the admission process and you can come in, we can meet you, but that's not required. And so we're really looking at an application to get a picture of who you are as a person um, and what kind of you're gonna bring to the community. Um, and so, anything, any rec letters that help round that out, I think,
2: are great. I'll just jump in and say, you know, we 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 require two, um, ideally from what we would call academic teachers. And so, I would say, if you wanted, if you're a great artist or musician or what have you, it's fine if that's one of the teacher recs. But maybe that makes a good third rec, so that we can also hear from two uh, sort of core academic subjects. We'll read as many as you send us. But the truth is, friends. That they're going to sound the same after a while if they're all from teachers. And so I recommend if you send extras, you know, maybe it's from your pastor if you're involved in church or the the um, the manager at your part-time job or, you know, people who will be able to actually say different things about you than uh, than just the folks who know you as, as a student. And I will also say another version of this question, Russ, is, um, you know, we know somebody who is sort of connected you know, to the school, should we have that person write? And, and for what it's worth, I would only, anybody who writes for you should know you, right? So like, if your dentist is third cousins with somebody who was on the board at Middlebury in the 60s, I wouldn't, I wouldn't track that down, right? Because that person doesn't know you. But um, general rule of thumb is if they know you, and if they have something distinctive to say about you, then find ad.
0: So Gary came in and told me that I needed to unmute myself while you all were talking, which is probably good because I was laughing out loud at your your response because I'm thinking about a rep from a, a different school who came in one time and told me that they denied a student who submitted twenty eight letters of rec because they said the same thing, and the student couldn't follow directions. So I i I, I am approaching it from the from the position of if if you're reading, you know, as many applications as you all are reading, I'm really encouraging my students to follow the, follow the directions, unless it's something that, as everybody has said, adds something significantly different and new to the overall picture of who the student is. Because the other thing that it does, from my perspective, is I can only imagine that it slows down the reading. And if, if you're reading 1,200, 700 applications, and you've got four or five letters from each student... And you're reading them all; it really slows the overall process down. Um, anybody else want to chime in, or do you want me to move on? I'm moving pretty quick through these questions. We're going to get to the we're going to get to the meaty ones in a minute. All right, Sam, smirking. I'm moving on. Um, many students feel a great deal of pressure to choose a major right off the bat. Um, is this is it important for them to to do that to choose a major from the get go? Is there benefit from for declaring a major right from the start or versus going undecided um how easy is it to switch majors sam you're right on you answered the last question i don't know if i should go to you but it's kind of that what's the best path to take declare go undecided can i switch
2: we're we're all going to give you different answers and so anybody out there listening this is something that um you're going to really want to know the answer at every school to which you apply. At Middlebury, we don't care. We just admit you to Middlebury. You're not applying to a major. You're not applying to a school within a school. We actually don't believe you because 60 plus percent of our students come in uh, and they wind up majoring in something other than what they thought they were going to major in. So we, in our case, a true sort of liberal arts college, you just show up and then you declare a major at the end of your third semester. But you're going to hear very different answers in 10 seconds.
7: I will jump in because St. Lawrence is very similar um, to how Middlebury does it. At St. Lawrence, you don't have to come in um, with a major declared. You actually don't have to declare your major until the spring of your sophomore year. So you've got plenty of time to kind of explore the curriculum and figure out what you're really interested in and passionate about and what you want to pursue. Um, And many, many students change their mind all the time. Some every semester, um, and that's okay because you're supposed to um, do that exploring and figuring out um, at a liberal arts college.
6: I'll just pile on with the liberal arts schools. Um, St. Mike's is liberal arts too. We, we, You're welcome to declare a major as early as you want, but nobody's going to force you to until the end of your sophomore year. And as Sam said, we probably won't believe you if you're unless you're like really, really, really committed to one goal. <laughs>
3: So I I do want to mention one thing, and that is, um, if you're looking at different schools, if you're considering different majors, I'm going to echo Sam's comment that you need to ask this question. It's easy for folks to say, oh, at a liberal arts college, you can come in and you can be undeclared for two years. Is anyone out there interested in studying nursing? you are going to want to ask that question and apply to direct entry nursing programs, right? We don't have that at Champlain, but my advice is depending on what your major is, um, not only do you wanna ask college the question, does it matter if I apply undeclared or for a major? They might say, what are you considering studying? Because the answer might be if you're considering English or history or business, no, it doesn't matter. You can decide. You want nursing, you want engineering, you want game design at Champlain, you better know coming in, right? Because if programs are filling and you can't get into those later on without graduating on time, is that going to extend my time if I change my major? These are all the questions you want to ask, right? Um, and at many colleges, it won't matter. At some, it will. So that's where you get that notebook out and at every college you ask the question and you write it down the answer um because depending on what your area of academic interest is or what you want to study potentially it it could matter at some schools sorry moses i don't know if you had something to add there no i was just gonna uh,
4: i guess present the alternative to uh what you've heard as it relates to this question which is that uvm is a school wherein you uh You have to apply to one of our seven schools or colleges so you don't just apply generally to uvm Um, and that's i think pretty typical for a lot of you know flagship state universities they're the they're made up of individual schools and colleges and i think what's important to note is you know you can be undeclared within a school or college with a couple of exceptions you can move um, fairly easily from one to another again with some exceptions nursing being one as a good example Um, But you do need to pick, you know, do you want the College of Engineering, in which there are many different majors, do you want the College of Arts and Sciences, our liberal arts college, do you want the College of Nursing or Education or our environmental school, but you need to pick one of them uh, through the application process and each of them will have different entrance requirements related to coursework you need to have taken as a high school student in order to prepare you for the types of courses that you're going to need to take uh, within that school or college. Again, and some and people have alluded to it. Most students are going to change their mind once they get here, anyways, and they're going to move around, and that's okay. But as it relates to um, you know our enrollment goals and, and to um, uh, ensuring a certain level of preparedness within certain areas, we do require students to pick one of our seven schools and colleges when they apply. And if you're the type of student who you know, frankly, has no idea what you want to do, or you, you recognize you have a, you know many different interests. Most of those will pick undeclared within our College of Arts and Sciences, the Liberal Arts College, which makes up half of our students. Um, But if you're the type of student who knows you want engineering, you just don't know if you want electrical or biomedical or civil, um, you know, you can be, you know, undeclared within the College of Engineering. But as an engineering, a potential engineering graduate, we got to make sure that you have certain exposure in high school to chemistry and physics and calculus and things like that. And so we do have um, a process wherein students have to pick one of those schools and colleges and different requirements uh, for each of those schools and colleges. And frankly, some of them are, are more difficult to get into than others.
0: All right, before we move on, I, I just, I apologize for getting on my phone during this event, but my daughter just sent me a text. She's watching, she's 12, and she says, Daddy, don't forget to eat or drink. So, I'm going to have some water while my daughter's watching just to show, yes, I've been here all day, but I'm taking care of myself. All right, big question, and I'm going to put it in the middle because I want to make sure we have plenty of time to kind of tackle all of the the various components. Um, We'll start with, I, I don't know if you want me to read all the bullet points, you probably all have the list, the set of questions in front of you, but we're in this, we're in this very interesting, fun, difficult part or time period where students are applying and they have the opportunity to apply test optional. Schools are making decisions around whether they're going to bring back testing, stay test optional. Um, I did a podcast with Sam and Moses and Anna from Dartmouth where we talked a little bit about it, but I feel like it's really important to talk about it in this forum. I'm hoping people can chime in and and help us define what test optional means. How does a student decide if they should submit their test scores? Are students penalized for not submitting test scores? We had um, some conversation the other day around that. Um, What is used in place of test scores? Um, can you define the holistic review process? So these are all things, and, and our students denied because they did not submit test scores. It, there's a lot in that question, but I'm hoping we can kind of tackle it and get some answers out there for our community.
6: Um, I can jump in just because St. Mike's has been test, op- test score optional for a decade, I think at this point. Um, we just we, we allow students to submit them. Um, and if you submit them, we'll look at them. But we, we really do not, they, they don't make or break any applications. You're never penalized for not submitting them or choosing not to. There's a lot of reasons people don't take tests um, or that some people just don't do well on tests. And we recognize that. So we look at a, a lot of other factors of the application. We look at the transcript kind of for academic things. We also look at our, our rec letters. If you have rec letters from teachers, then that'll tell us a little bit more about your academic achievement. Um, as well it, other activities that you're doing. We're really kind of looking at all the other parts of the application to glean the sort of information that you might normally get from test scores. Um, and again, if you, do, took, if you took the tests and you did well and you like your scores and you're proud of them, submit them, we're happy to look at them. Um, but it really is a completely optional thing at St. Mike's.
7: Yeah, same thing at St. Lawrence. And, and I wanna emphasize something that Nick said is that if you do send your scores, To a school that's test optional, they will be considered. Um, Some people might think that if you send them, um, they won't look at them because they're test optional, but that's that's not what that means. Um, So in a test optional setting, you can send them if you want to, um, but you don't have to send them. Um, And if you take the test and don't like your scores, you don't have to send them to us. Um, But if you do, we will look at them and we will use them as part of our um, application review process. Um, But being test optional means that you're not going to be hurt if you don't send your scores. Um, and you know, just like Nick said, as part of a, a holistic application review process, we look at everything you send us from the application, your essay, the recommendation letters, your transcript. Um, you know, those are all the things that we we look at as part of a big picture to see who you are as a student, but also as a person. And we don't necessarily need your test scores um, to figure out if you are prepared for for college, for our college, that sort of thing.
3: So, oh shoot, Sam, do you wanna go? Sorry, we're like, look, (laughs) um, questions. I'm big on questions you can ask colleges, right? If you're not sure, if you're considering sending testing, what are your averages for those who submitted last year? If you are below the average, I would not recommend sending your testing. I'm going to be honest, right? Because then it could hurt you, right? You want to put yourself in the most competitive light. You want to put your best foot forward against those that are going to be, right? If you are above the average or in the average, you know, talk to your counseling team. Say this is what they said the average was. Um, You can ask colleges, what percentage of your pool submits testing? What percentage of your admitted students submitted testing, right? Um, So are they favoring people with testing? You can kind of figure that out with asking some questions, right? Um, Are there any merit considerations for merit scholarships or scholarships that are only available to those that submitted testing? Probably not, but maybe there are. Maybe there are certain uh, merit considerations or a scholarship that you have to have. Are there any program specific, right? Is there a certain program that I'm applying for, for which I would have to submit testing for? Um, And those are all good questions to ask, right? I'm a big proponent of getting more information Um, and colleges will tell you that information. A lot of it's available on the website. If you can't find what you're looking for on the website, ask your admissions counselor. We pay admissions counselors to answer those questions. That's literally their job, right? So um, definitely ask a lot of questions because I do think, everyone here might have a slightly different answer, right? And Sam might have a, a different take. The other thing for schools that haven't been test optional for 10 years, um, what are your plans in the future, right? Especially if you're a sophomore or junior right now um, and you're trying to decide, should I be taking testing? Because you know the school's not requiring it this year, but are they going to in two years? Ask when are your plans and do you know when you might have a decision on those?
2: I just so strongly support everything that Diane just said. I'm I'm, I'm in passionate support of Diane. Um, I only wanna add that students out there, if you're listening, the testing is a big deal to you, right? Cause it's, it's stressful and you're gonna do it maybe once or maybe twice. And oh my gosh, there's a lot riding on it. It's just not that important to us. I know it feels important to you, but I, like relax. It's really not a big deal for all the reasons Diane just said, right? So at Middlebury, half of our applicants use tests and half do not. Our admitted class lines up exactly the same way. Half have had tests, half have not. At Middlebury, the average SAT historically has been quite high. I frankly, I love test optional because if everything else about your academic record is awesome, you've got the grades, you've taken hard rigor, your teachers write lovely things about you extracurricularly, you're, you know, you're great. And if in the old days you had, you know, whatever, uh, an 1150, um, that's not very good for us. And now, if you have an 1150, I don't need to know that. And if everything else is great, you're still a very competitive candidate. And so, I, if I had a dollar for every single time we had to talk about this, I'd be a very wealthy man. Uh, and I just want you to hear me say: it's just at a school that's test optional, you can just believe them. There is no hidden agenda here. Right, and if you're a strong candidate without the tests, fine. Nobody's going to sit around and say, "Oh, we wish they took them," or, you know, I'm just going to natural. Geez, you know, Moses applied without testing, so I'm just going to assume he's a lousy tester. It doesn't work that way. There's more than enough uh, ingredients in this soup to have us figure you out with or without that test. It really is up to you. Don't sweat it.
4: Thank you for saying that, Sam. Not that I'm a bad tester, but thank you for for noting that. Um, even when we required testing it was like the secondary thing this you know this data point that we would look at to try to inform everything else we're seeing in an application It never carried the day um i think to get to another question that that russ had posed related to this subject is you know i think in the absence of testing the other components of your application do take on just additional consideration and that's not to say that those aspects weren't already important Um, But in particular, the strength of your schedule and and the the courses that you are taking to challenge yourself, particularly in areas that are related to the major that you want to pursue, again, for those schools that require you to apply to a major. But, um, you know, curricular rigor is something, frankly, we spend a lot of time evaluating and rating and going through a rubric to determine um, you know, just how, uh, how challenged a student has been in the courses that they have taken. You could have a great GPA uh, if it's in courses that would be deemed, uh, you know, not overly challenging or not related to the major that you're interested in. Um, you know, the GPA really doesn't matter as much as you might imagine. We'd rather see students who are sticking with the five core academic areas, and challenging themselves with the most rigorous schedule in the areas where they have a strength, which is to say, I don't expect you to take AP calculus if you're not good at math. I do expect you to be in a math though senior year and then to take the AP or the honors course in the area, You know, not honors, I guess, in the case of CVU, but challenge yourself in those subject areas where you do have a strength and make sure that the, the strength of schedule and the rigor that you're presenting your application is uh, as
0: strong as possible. Thanks, everyone. I, one of the things we talk to our students about is taking the APs because you think you need to have them and then not doing well or struggling or having them pull other things down is, is not accomplishing what you hope to accomplish. So choose the APs that, are, that you're really passionate about um, and, and do well in those and don't feel like you have to do every single AP. Um, I'm, re- I'm recognizing the time and feeling like I have some other things that I really want to get to. So I'm going to skip down the list of questions that we've kind of compiled as a department. And, and one of the ones that I, I talked about or I asked last time, I'm going to ask again is, um, I'm curious if you all have a favorite essay that you have read either this year or in, in recent years. And then, how do you all feel about risky essays? I have a student who used and in very intentionally and very appropriately, and got accepted to one of your schools. Uh, used the F word in their essay. Um, I, I'm curious about other sensitive topics. Um,
5: how? What is your guidance? What are your thoughts around um, around that?
3: So I can jump in. I would say um, this is your chance in the application for you to tell us about yourself, right? It's the part I look most forward to in an application. I actually read it last, right? It's like dessert for me. And so I've learned about your academic record. I've learned about your academic prowess, all the things that you've accomplished. I've read what other people have to say about you. And now it's your chance to tell us about yourself. And again, much like testing where Sam was saying, you think this is a really, really big deal. I think there's a lot of pressure on students to say, what am I gonna tell them, right? Like, and we don't need to know everything about your life. We just want a snippet. We just want a story about you and from your life to see how you would fit into our community and be a student on our campus. Um, We just want to get to know you and we look forward to it. And so think about something that's important to you, not what your dad or your coach or, You know, your sister is telling you you should write your college essay about not what you think I want to read. What do you think is important for me to know about you? Um, That being said, I've read some, I've read some quote unquote risky essays that I think really work for the student. um, And I think they really work for their personality. And I've also read someone, some that just don't. Um, They're trying too hard. They're trying to force something. They're trying to be funny. If your friends don't think you're funny, don't try to write a funny essay, right? Um, I think, you know, it's, Don't force things, be genuine, be who you are, um, and trust the people in your life too. Um, Remember, this is putting your foot forward, your best foot forward, um, and what you tell about us, about yourself, we just wanna get to know you. We wanna get to see that. Um, Proofreading is always important, right? Uh, An essay can really be brought down by some careless mistakes, um, but more importantly than that, I think it's just the genuineness will come through. If it's a topic you care about, we'll get that sense, at least in my, uh, my history of reading essays.
2: I would say a great essay is both content and craft. The content does not have to be amazing. The craft is your voice. Um, sometimes the content and the craft don't match and that's okay, but maybe you're a highline equestrian. There is a version of that essay that's terrific about communing with an animal, about respecting the beauty of nature, about working very, very hard to accomplish something, about the competition, There are versions of that essay that are great, right? So like my opinion about horses doesn't matter. There are also versions of that essay which stink, right? Pickles the horse is my best friend. I don't like humans very much and they don't like me. So every day I go see Pickles and Pickles is the only person who understands me, even though she's not a person, she's a horse. And, you know, I rode Pickles every day for five years and then Pickles died. I don't what does that do to help you in any way? Right. And so, you know, keep in mind, these things are supposed to, they're your best foot forward, right? So you can write about risky things. You can write about challenges in your life. You can write about hard things, family dynamics, what your identity, whatever the content doesn't matter. As long as the craft is allowing us to sort of see who you are and what makes you tick and, and to see that you have put your best foot forward. And so, um, I'll, I'll stop there.
5: But. Anybody
0: else want I'll to jump in to Pickles say? The
7: horse? Oh, sorry, Ross. <laughs> 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 um, I'll just jump in to say that uh, one of my favorite essays that I've read um, was um, really simple, but it was, as Sam said, cleverly crafted. And it told me the story of this student's life and growing up by the contents on their bookshelf. Um, and like say a picture represented this time in their life and this play sculpture that they made represented this time in their life. Um, And that, that, I just thought it was very clever the way it was done. Um, And that was one of my favorite essays. Um, And I do wanna add too that um, there is a lot of pressure that, that you guys feel on these essays. And a lot of students think that they have to write about a really challenging time, or the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to them, and you can write about that if you want to. But I just want you to know that you don't have to write about that if you don't want to, um, and I think that um, that can be important for some students to hear. Um, so you don't have you don't have to write about that thing, but if you want to, you absolutely can. Um, but there's so many other um, there's so many other things that you can write about, and that if it's crafted right. Um, can be also just as impactful. All
0: right, I just got a little warning from Gary saying we have 15 minutes left. So I really wanna to get to a couple questions. Uh, one, we'll get. hopefully we'll get to both and then we'll get to audience questions. Uh, so we're seeing an increase in students identifying with anxiety. Um, what are the supports on campuses? Um, with that, come in with an identified mental health need. And Kristen, you're nodding your head, and on my screen,
5: tag.
7: Um. So yeah, we you know we have also seen that um, on our side, a lot of students are um, self-identifying that they have mental health challenges in their um, applications, which is totally fine. Um, We have a lot of support at St. Lawrence um, for these students. We have a a free um, health and counseling center um, and they're combined. So if you go into the lobby, nobody knows if you're going to see um, the physician or the mental health counselor. Um, We also just became a Jed campus. So we're partnering with the Jed Foundation um, to bolster our mental health services on campus. We just hired a few more um, counselors we have a 24-hour hotline. Um, we also just created a wellness office as well. Um, so, and our, our wellness director is focused on um educating students about um opportunities on campus to nourish the whole person. Um, so you know, focusing on um doing well academically, but also um also feeding your, your social battery and Um, staying active and things like that. So that we approach it in a a lot of different ways. Um, And there are also, you know, uh, we've got peer health counselors as well. Um, So if there's a student that you want to connect with, kind of maybe talk through some things. Um, We've got a few, we've got uh, a few different options um, that students can pursue to, um, to get help.
5: Anybody else going to weigh in on resources on campuses? I,
4: I mean, I guess I, yeah, I would weigh in that I, I'm sure at all of our schools we have sort of wraparound services, um, centers for health and well being, um, you know, access to uh, resources that are available to help students. I think, I think what a, a takeaway for families is, you know, that there is a level of, um, self-awareness and self-advocacy that is important i think in part of our job as institutions of higher ed is to help students learn how to do that self-advocacy and help students access various services whether they be related to mental health and and well-being or tutoring or whatever else Um, but I, i think going off to college is is a little different than living under your parents roof and going to high school in that Um, you know, it's important to advocate for yourself, to recognize when you're having uh, uh, problems. And I think that all of our schools can provide a certain amount of services to students. And there's certain things that we're not, you know, we're we're not, uh, you know, set up to provide, you know, heavy duty psychiatric uh, support for students. And, you know, there are students who uh, have recently been Um, before they go off to college hospitalized with very serious mental health issues and I think it's important for families and students to sit down together and to talk about what this transition to college is about and and whether or not a student is set up for success when they go off to school Um, you know we're seeing uh, and not uh, and when I say we I mean collectively institutions across the country are seeing an incredible uptick in the need for mental health services for reasons I think are hopefully obvious to um, to folks. I mean, the, the last few years have been very difficult, um, and there are services we all provide to help students navigate what can be a, a challenging transition under normal circumstances. Let alone, um, you know, learning loss and uh, social uh, interaction loss and things of that nature. Um, but there are certain things we can't do, and, and I think it's important as families to sit down and have those tough conversations, because I think so many of us are, you know, you go to high school, you graduate high school, you go to college, you graduate college, you go get a job, and that is the path for some people, and some people need to attend to themselves and make sure that they're set, setting themselves up for success. And, and sometimes that, that is by going right into college, and sometimes that is uh, meaning to attend to your needs and, and setting yourself up for success.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody. I've got a couple of questions that Gary put into the chat and then I'm going to leave and I'm going to have Sarah come over. We'll probably go over a couple minutes, but I think that making sure we get get to the questions in the chat is important. So we have a question about housing and the question, I'll read it or summarize it. Um, People are hearing that there were significant challenges providing on-campus housing this academic year? Um, do you anticipate similar challenges going forward? They cited an example, but I'm going to leave the example and the school mentioned out.
2: Well, I don't know if we will, Russ went away. I don't know if we were the example, but Middlebury, um, we, we struggle a little bit with, uh, with an overcrowded campus. Uh, some of that is beyond our control in terms of you know, students, um, uh, you know, we have, we had a perfect storm of, of a lot of first-year students saying yes to our offers, and then a whole bunch of current students taking a semester or a year off because of COVID. And so, you know, that created a pinch. Maybe other colleges felt that too. Uh, in our case, we still housed, we guarantee housing for all four years of students, and we housed everybody um, that involved, you know, I think we actually bought an inn here in Middlebury. Um, you know, you, you do what you have to do. But um, but everybody got a room who needed one and wanted one. And, you know, colleges have ways we have most colleges have emergency steam valves for these kinds of situations. And so um, but I would say, are we worried about that in the future? I'm not unless there is another global catastrophe that we didn't see coming that will make lots and lots of students, you know, interrupt their progress. But um, I think short of another one of those, you know, we're we're fine and we've got it covered. Same, yeah, like, so similar.
6: Guarantee housing all four years, um, and we we are in a place, luckily, where where we have the housing that we need right now. Um, so I I'll just throw that out there.
4: Yeah. I mean, we, same with UVM I and mean, we require our first and second students, first and second year students to live on campus and all have housing. Um, and, you know, I think you're hearing a lot of this around the country. I mean, the, you know, the pandemic creates supply demand imbalances in every industry and higher ed no different. Uh, and Sam pointed out some of those reasons, um, you know, when you have a bunch of students putting off college, when you have a bunch of students, um, you know, uh, taking a year off in between their first and second year, when you have, a lot of students who have deferred enrollment, you're gonna create imbalances, um, but students are are housed, they're housed on campus, they're required to be there. Uh, so there's not only not an inability, it's, it's, it's flat out required.
3: And again, um, just quickly, questions. Okay. Do you require housing? Do you guarantee housing? Who has to live on campus? How do you support folks to find housing off campus if we decide to move off, right? These are all questions you can ask of any campus you visit. Or considering right. you can email those questions. <laughs> Sarah, do you want to take over?
1: Sure. We have one more question here.
3: Oh, um, then maybe we'll go back to the list. Um,
1: so maybe, yeah. So we have one more question. Um, am I on? Yes. Yes. Um, can you address the idea of super score for the SAT? Do you see the results for the entire test?
5: Anyone? We- wanted- yeah, I mean, I, I think there's probably others like that. But for students who
4: want to apply using testing, they are able to super score. The only thing I see in the review uh, process are the highest individual subject area scores, uh, regardless of testing date. So um, e- even if you had a low math score um, it, that you have submitted to us, I, I can't see that in my review system. I only see the highest math and, and critical reading score.
0: I would imagine that's the same for everybody. All right. So we've got, we've got what, four minutes, five minutes. And and if people have other questions they'd like to ask in the the YouTube chat, Sarah's monitoring that.
1: We do have one more. All right, Then we won't go to a, uh, we won't go to a Russ question. Um, Okay. What is the one thing you would tell juniors to focus on uh, the second half of their junior year? Any tips?
5: I think we mentioned it earlier, but one very important thing, especially in their junior year would be visit. Start coming up with the list of the schools that make the most sense for you um, and then start visiting them and try something completely out of your comfort zone, just to make sure that, you know, if you're worried that a large school is gonna be too large, go visit one, see what it really feels like to be on a large school. If you feel like a small school is gonna be too tiny, Go and visit and just see what it's like. Um, but visiting can be really important, especially when it's starting that early, um, where you've got a little bit of time to then narrow your search down and your uh, end of your junior into your senior year.
3: I'll, I'll also say um, keep your grades up. Junior year is important, right? So focus on academics. And um, we kicked this. Uh, session off with Russ talking a little bit about course selection for next year. That matters, right? In the absence of testing, in the absence of other things, the courses that you're taking, the challenge that you're presenting yourself, the foundation you're laying now is going to set you up for a strong senior year and we want to see folks who are on an upward trajectory no matter what college you're at. No one on the screen is going to tell you it doesn't matter if you're on a downward trajectory, right? You have to be on an upward one um, and we want you hitting your stride and you're doing your best academic work as you prepare to enter college, right? So you're you're setting yourself up for success, no matter what college or university you end up at. Um, so so take care of that as well.
0: <laughs> Diane, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to respond to this one, and we can kind of open it up to to others, but you kind of touched on it, so I'm gonna see if you have anything else you you feel you want to add. But if a student was not serious about their studies until late in their high school years, What are some of the best ways to go about uh, presenting a successful application? Um, Kind of apply right out of high school, go to community college.
3: Yeah, there's a couple of options, depending how dire the situation was. I, you know, I want to first start by saying, you know, Moses addressed. We have all had a a rough couple of years. It's not just students. Everyone on this screen has lived through COVID. Everyone who works in an admissions office has also lived through it. So we know there's a lot of situations and things that can come into play. Dwelling on the past and fixating on the past instead of allowing yourself to be successful now and planning for the future is not going to help you in the college admissions process nor in life, right? So what's been done in the past has been done in the past. Unfortunately, you can't change that. So what I would say is rather than fixating on that, what can you do now to set yourself up for success? How can you have a really strong academic year and how can you go into next year, right? In the best possible light. Um, I do think that sometimes if you meet with a counselor and you've got your, your heart set on going to a certain school or a certain type of school and your academic, uh, progress is just not gonna get you where you need to be right out of college. There are other pathways, right? Take a shot, do the best that you can, and then know that there are many, many, many other pathways, right? Um, you, you, we mentioned at the beginning of this, call that all Vermont students are eligible for those two classes in Vermont State Colleges. Take advantage of those, right? That's a great opportunity to really showcase that you're ready for college-level work. Um, There's great partnerships that I I think all of the Vermont schools, whether we're public or private, have great partnerships with local community colleges and the CVV CVV system, right? Um, And and just explore the options that are open to you. Sometimes that means going somewhere else for a semester and transferring in. Other times it could be talking with your admissions counselor and seeing if there's ever a conditional admit or something that you might need to take over the summer, depending again on the school you're looking at. Um, But know that there are options and we're human too. Um, and I think it can go a long way to set up an interview to talk with your admissions counselor, right? We're the ones who can kind of help advise you at the, what the best path may be. Um, you can be really honest, we're gonna see your transcript anyway, right? Um, so you can be honest, you can talk about the challenges that you faced and we can kind of help you chart a course along with your amazing college counseling team um, as to, to get where you wanna be. I don't know if others have some
7: advice there too.
0: They're all muted and Sam's nodding his head. So I'm going to say they're all in agreement. Are there any other questions,
1: Sarah? There are no additional questions from the audience at this point.
0: So I would just, I'm probably not on camera, but because I've moved thinking Sarah would sit in front of my computer. Um, I just want to know if there are any kind of closing comments about your schools, the application process, the search process, things that we maybe didn't cover that you would think, but a minute or so at the end is worth kind of going into before we sign off. Diane, you're yes. unmuted,
2: but you're on my screen.
0: Oh well, Sam's gonna go. As I'm usually. gonna go.
2: This happened. Uh, sorry, this happened before Diane too. Um, Moses has heard me say this in another panel that he and I did not that long ago. You know, you didn't ask if it should be any fun, Russ. It should be fun. So we've talked a lot tonight about the things that you can worry about, essays, scores. Let's also just set the stage that this is an incredibly exciting moment in your lives. It's a self-reflective moment, right? Who am I right now? Who am I in the process of becoming? And can I find a school who's going to help me be that person? And every school has a different personality and vibe and collection of traits, just like every one of you out there has all of those things. And so uh, it needs to be said out loud this is actually a lot of fun. If you do it, if you do it right. And if you have an open mind and you go and visit a bunch of schools of of all kinds of different types of schools, different selectivity, you know, different locations. Um, You know, the challenge isn't what's the best school. The challenge is what's the best school for me based on who I am right now and who I'm becoming. Um, And what's, you know, what are the quirks and traits that make Middlebury, Middlebury and St. Mike, St. Mike's, right. And, And that's actually a lot of fun to figure that out. So um, that's my parting shot is I hope that you all find a way to, to actually really enjoy this process.
0: From pickles the horse to have fun.
5: <laughs> <laughs> anybody like else, I, it's going to be hard to top Sam, but. And like Diane mentioned earlier too, ask questions. That's what we're all here for. Um, not just us, but our colleagues across all the other colleges in the, the, the country and internationally. Ask us the questions that are important to you. You know. Don't think there's a stupid question. The only stupid question is the one you didn't ask. Um, So ask the questions that are important and pertinent to each of your individual situations and ask them from each school because each one of us are going to have different responses to certain things.
0: And if you're you're uncertain how to ask the question or to whom you ask the question, come find your CVU school counselor. Jen, Sarah, Naomi, Susie, Gavin, Russ, we are all here because we want to help navigate not only CVU, but help you get through and into that post-secondary, that perfect, correct post-secondary placement. And that you should be having fun. Sam, that is something I tell all my families in this process is that it's going to be stressful, but you got to have fun. And if you're not having fun, we're not doing it right. Um, but we, we, we definitely can help get you in touch with the appropriate admissions counselors, try and find some Students that you might talk to, I think, asking questions is really important. Anybody else?
4: I, uh, I guess I have some fairly practical advice, I, I guess. But, um, you know, and I, Diane alluded to this idea of, of you, you know, you got to reach out to the schools that you're interested in. You have to ask them specific information about how they do things, what their deadlines are. Um, it's important. And again, Sam's heard me say this, but you need to create a system for staying organized and tracking this stuff. Um, And whatever that system is for you you know, can vary, but you need to be very intentional as you go into this, particularly as a junior, because you're starting out, you're kicking the tires, Um, be proactive in figuring out how you're going to keep track of all of our various policies and deadlines and documents that we require. Um, it, It will help you please check your email. I know that that's not your preferred uh, method of communication necessarily, but we're gonna send you wildly important information uh, via email that you're really gonna wanna stay on top of. And then you know, lastly, and my, my views on this frankly have evolved over the years, but you know, parents do play an important role in this process. And I, I frankly think that's okay. Um, you know, my, my request is that you, know, you ride shotgun, let the, let the student drive but it's okay that you're in the car. These are big decisions. These are um, decisions that have a lot of financial impact to the family and to the individual. So, um, you know, whereas I might've tried to steer parents away from their involvement, I've, I've sort of evolved a bit uh, in my thinking about that, um, you know, but do try to let your student uh, be the one behind the wheel uh, and, and you're there to, to help guide them and to provide at times a level of reason and, and uh, a sense of, of realism. But, um, you know, I think we think it's OK that you're part of this journey and don't be afraid of, of that. But let your students shine throughout the process.
3: There's one more thing I just have to say, and that is um, I was pretty sure at the end of my junior year that I had a list of colleges and I knew where I was going to apply And I knew it was at the top of that list. And um, as I started talking with people about the colleges I was applying to and why and what I liked about them, I had people recommend some other schools that I should check out. And I ignored 90% of those recommendations because I knew what I was doing, right? Like I was very confident that I knew what I was doing. And I applied to a school sight unseen that someone told me I just had to put on my list. And I said, fine, that's the one that I'll put on my list. And I ended up at that college, and I ended up president of my class, and I'm on the alumni council. So I say this to say, it was because I said what I liked about another school, and someone said, this one is similar, has many of those similar attributes, you should check it out. And I never would have checked out this little school in upstate New York that ended up being the perfect place for me, right? Um, I And so try at least one or two schools that you've never heard of that someone recommends based off attributes that you liked at other schools, right? It doesn't have to be random. This is like, okay, go into your college counseling office and say, this is what I like. These are my top five things I really like. And if they have a suggestion, check it out. Um, When I went to college, I had to call away and get the view book, right? You can look online. You can do it on your phone from your couch, right? But check out a school, take a look. Um, And just be open because there's a lot of really, really great schools out there that you have never heard of. Um, There's some that I'm still hearing about. And uh, as a director of admissions, I can confidently say now I did not know what I was doing at the end of my junior year. And it worked out, I found the perfect place for me, but it was only because I really kind of just someone wore me down and I added this one school on my list that ended up being a really great fit. So um, be open to that possibility. And I think that that's really important to go in with an open mind as well.
0: All right. Well, on that, I, I can't thank the six of you enough for some of you joining me and Sarah for 13 times. Um, I, I, we're, we're, just insanely grateful that you, you spend an hour and now almost 10 minutes with us talking with our community, our families, our students, just to make this whole process, as Sam said, fun and, and and just help them be informed consumers of the process, because there's, there's a lot we can tell them, but it's so much more powerful when it comes from, from you all who are in it and doing it. And we're grateful that you've taken the time to help us out. So on that note, we'll see you all tomorrow in some capacity, phone calls, emails. Thank you again. Really appreciate it guys. Thank you so much.